All right, welcome to JB Squared. I'm JB Hager, more importantly, joined by Johan Bruniel, and we're going to take a look at stage seven of this year's Tour de France and a look ahead of what we might expect for tomorrow. And Johan's always really great about uh, looking ahead and tactics, what people are doing right or wrong, maybe should do, should not do. Uh, that's what makes this show so unique. So we'll get into that in just a second, but first I want to tell you about a couple of our partners. Today's show is brought to you by Ventum. The all-new GS1 is hard to believe. It starts with SRAM Apex AXS for just $29.99. Just under three grand, you could be on a brand new uh, GS1. I know a lot of people are like me. You know, you've been hearing more and more and more about gravel bikes. You've probably been a, a roadie your whole life, or maybe a mountain biker, but. Uh, this you know this whole trend of gravel it just it was compelling to me i was like i want to check that out so i've been riding the gs1 for a few months now and absolutely love it uh the folks at ventum could not have been any more helpful uh, as i was going on their site and specking it out i was a little curious about sizing and stem length and all that stuff and i did a chat with them and i would just send them my uh all my measurements from my last road bike fit. And they go, okay, you need this size, this size, this size, and this size. It was super, super easy. They could not have been more helpful. And you know what else is really cool? I think they just started doing it with the new GS1. The bike showed up at my door in like a double wide box, completely built. You know, I, I just needed to put the wheels on, but the seat was the only thing I needed to really do mechanically. I was like, wow, I can't believe they can ship a bike like that. Uh, really great experience. So if you've been thinking about getting a new road bike, check out the NS1 and then the GS1, and then you can spec them out however you want. Your components, your wheel upgrades, different types of handlebars, different crank length, you name it. Just so go check it out at VentumRacing.com, the move, and you can take advantage of 10% off when you use the code we do at checkout at VentumRacing.com slash the move. Today's show also brought to you by HVMN. I've been taking Ketones IQ for several months now and have really noticed a difference. For me, it's more so in the, the mental side of what uh, Ketones IQ can do for you. I feel like I have more clarity, more alertness, less bonking midday, uh, you know, and, and it's just been an unbelievable day. And I always feel like this is the test, right? How do I feel? when we're out here doing all the, watching the race and then putting out four shows a day. It's, it's like probably the biggest grind I have all year. So this is the test. Now having been on Ketones IQ for a few months, I can definitely tell a difference. I can look back at the last six uh, Tours de France that we've covered from here and I feel better than ever. So take it from me, give it a two, three months try, all right? And, uh, and you'll see a difference, I promise you. Probably sooner than that, actually. So you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, to get that 30% off on the subscription, hvmn.com slash the move and sub subscribe upon checkout for 30% off. Okay, Johan, let's, let's jump right in and talk about this sprint finish. There was there two really positive things happening, in my opinion. We got Jasper Philipson getting his uh, uh, a third win in this tour, which is a big story. And then the other big story that everyone's so wrapped up and engaged in is Mark Cavendish. Will he break the tour wins record? Mm -hmm. Very close today. 
uh, but had a uh, gear skipping issue, which you could probably elaborate on. So w let's start with Jasper Philipson and just his pure speed and his great lead out. Yeah, I mean, you know, today was clear it was going to be a bunch print. We we saw um, basically the whole the whole stage except at the end where two other riders bridged across. But there was one rider uh, from a French team uh, away all the time by his, by himself. Um, I I mean, I didn't see the beginning of the stage, but then I saw some images on social media, and apparently, initially, you know, there was four riders in the break and three of them were called back by their team directors over the radio to the peloton they got instructions to not go in the breakaway so you know people may think you know well that's strange you know we were if, if a guy's away from the bunch why do they call him back uh but i think that most of the people most of the directors are worried about the toughness of this first week um tomorrow is not an easy stage either and so knowing that Everybody knew the outcome of today's stage. Um, so we had this one courageous guy who, who went on and on. And uh, and finally, he, I mean, he, he then got caught by these two other French guys. It was it was it was a day for the French riders, right, um, to go and breakaways. But um, we got to the last 20 kilometers and, you know, the speed picked up and uh, incredibly fast, uh, very nervous. Don't you don't you have some numbers on the speed? Yeah, in the last... I saw the I saw the stats. The last twenty kilometers of the day stage were averaged at fifty eight point eight kilometers per hour, so fifty nine kilometers per hour for the last twenty kilometers. Um, I mean that's 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 incredibly fast, and that's that's like riding in a pack all across the road. Uh, it's mind blowing actually how uh, fast they're going. That is fast. Uh, but you know, I mean, we we got to the to the city of Bordeaux. Um, there was a little change in uh, in the I mean, the UCI changed the rule for today. They made the cutoff point instead of the three kilometers, the three point six kilometers, uh, because there was some kind of dangerous or some technical uh, passage, and uh, apparently the the that was a fly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apparently, the the riders' union asked to change it, and and, and finally they agreed. So, oh. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How does that go down? Like one director's looking at it, riders are looking at it. You call another team. Mm -hmm. Hey, we need to bring this to their attention. Is yeah, that likely how that pressure. would go down. It's pressure, you know. I mean, listen. At the end of the day, those those UCI commissaires they don't they don't those they don't they don't care they don't care. They just want to apply the the rules right and it's three kilometers and it's three kilometers but but apparently there was enough concern and enough pressure um and so at least you know they changed it uh which was good but you know from there on you know it was it was the bunch together and we we saw uh once again an, an alpacin team uh really really in full force they had five riders uh in the last two kilometers um they had uh what's his name Søren Craig Anderson um they had Ramon Sinkeldam and then they had the 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 tall guy the Belgian guy uh Jonas Ricard and finally Mathieu van der Poel van der Poel did an amazing amazing lead out um maybe a little a little too early that he had to peel off but he already got to the front with 500 to go uh so and, and at those speeds it's it's incredibly difficult to 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 do a lead out of 300 meters so there you could see already as soon as as soon as Van der Poel ran out of gas, you could see 
that almost guaranteed Philipson was going to win because he was he had still the 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 he was so lucid he was so alert that he could still take the you know look around slow down a little or not go straight away and just wait until somebody else came then surf that wheel and then basically pass the guy with 100 meters to go um so i think he's shown you know philipson is showing that he is by far the fastest rider seven stages three victories you know every single stage that finished in a bunch sprint was for him and uh and on top of that uh if you take into account last year's tour de france uh the last five bunch prints in the tour so three of this year and the last two bunch prints of last year's tour were won by him so the last wow. five bunch prints in the tour were, were won by jasper phillips and so he is definitely confirming himself as being the sprinter of reference um you know he uh he has developed as a rider he's now also going to go for the green jersey um by the way you know look i mean th that that color jb i mean they you know they changed the color of the green jersey this year yeah uh, it it, it I, uh, I don't like it I, I really don't like it yeah we were talking about that here and it, it's it blends with a lot of the other jerseys whereas it doesn't the, stick the... out i mean it's it, 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 it's very similar to bora it's very mm -hmm. similar to astana this year look uh, cavendish is next to him yeah uh so yeah it was always e it was always easy to spot that bright green yeah. jersey in in yeah. with the aerial view yeah well anyways you know he wants to he wants to get the green jersey he's solidly in the lead but you know it's only seven stages a lot of things can happen um but yeah i mean you know sprinting wise and speed wise he is he is the strongest uh no doubt about that today today's victory was actually very dominant you know his first two victories were there was some kind of doubt uh, against Caleb Ewan. The, there was, there was, you know, it was close, but and and then the the, the first stage win, and he he did. There was some some doubt about uh, some maneuver that he did. And today, you know, there was not a lot of talks about it. But I personally think that I mean, there was. I don't think there there was a reason for 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 a concern because he didn't put anybody in danger. But if you look. At the sequences of what happened uh, in the in in the sprint, you can clearly see that first he's behind Van der Poel, who starts his lead out. He's in the middle of the road. Then Van der Poel goes bit by bit to the left side of the road. Philipson follows, and as soon as Van der Poel is done, he he just he goes to the middle of the road again, and then he finally goes to all the way to the right of the road. Uh, you can see this in this in these different uh, pictures, um, and so at first, at first, you know, I, I didn't really see something dangerous when you when you look at the sprint in real time, but afterwards, when you go and analyze the different sequences, um, I think it's a clear change of trajectory. Now uh -huh. he didn't endanger anybody, um, but if you would say, okay, you know, depending on what. The judges have done in the past and relegated people. This is a clear case of relegation because, and I, I, I think that, hmm. I think that, um, I mean, and, and I want, I want Philipson to win. You know, I mean, I, I don't think he put, he did, any, he didn't do anything dangerous, but it's just about finding consistency in the decisions of the judges. Um, 
they other people have been, have been disqualified for a lot less. Yeah, I I my gut told me that he might get relegated, even if it was questionable. But looking at the incident earlier in the week, just trying to send him a message so it doesn't continue. Yeah, well, but but George and Lance were like, no, no, it was good. It was good. He was ahead of Girmay. That's true. That's true. It, it, that's true. But but I think at some point, you know, there has to be because it's it's always so subjective. You know that those decisions. Well, you know he didn't he didn't endanger anybody, so it's fine. Um, I think at some point there has to be uh, a system where the judges can apply consistently their decisions in sprints. There's always things that are going to happen, you know. And 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 I think so. I mean, I've I've thought about this. I've I've spoken about about it in, on La Movida, on our, our Spanish podcast. How difficult would it be, JB? But first of all, there would have to be a, a standard that the last 400 meters, four 300 meters, always have to be in a straight. Where, whenever it's, whenever it's, you know, possible that there's a bunch print, you know. So I think that should be a standard. Uh, otherwise, you just have to change the finish line as an organizer. So three 400 meters straight, and just draw lines. On the you know like make lanes. Sprint that's lanes. what that's what was coming to mind to me because then you have a, a unit of measurement for yes a visual of my, how far they're drifting. In my opinion, you know, I mean, it, it it depends where you are on the lane, but I think you know if it's let's say if it's if it's an eight meter wide uh, road, well, you have you, you have uh, whatever you have four four or five lanes of one and a half meter. Right, mm -hmm. and and the standard should be that you are allowed to go from one to another, but not two, yeah. because you know you could, yeah, be, yeah. you could be on the on the verge of one, and then you you you, you know there's going to be movements, you yeah. know. But uh, I think it should be. I mean, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Uh, and and of course things are going to happen, but I think then riders also will, would have to get used to that kind of sprinting. Yeah. Right. I see but what you least... mean by by yeah. It's so subjective because you don't. No one's taken a measurement of how far they drifted right or left. Exactly. This yeah. makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, listen, with that system, Philipson is relegated today, no, no doubt. I mean, yeah. he goes from, from middle to the left and to the right, like the two extremes. Um, and I, I think it would it would take some time for, for sprinters to adapt, but that's after some time they would definitely know, okay, this is, you know, once you once you go full speed ahead. That's it, you know. I mean, uh, you you have you have you can go from one lane to the other, but not not to the third lane. And you, you know, probably you, you probably saw earlier in the week after the first incident, which they did not relegate him. Uh, Jakobsen was doing a post race interview and was you know vocal about it. He's like, you know, he, this is where a team's mindset go. Our riders might. He said we should be, you know, we should maybe start doing that. Then mm -hmm. then you then this whole problem just gets out of yeah. control you know because if if they're not relegating him then maybe i should start doing that if i'm uh you know get a jump in a sprint yeah 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 i mean you know listen uh at the end in today's stage the fastest sprinter won and uh cavendish was second i mean he did not bring it up uh but i do know that there was some kind of Apparently, you can't protest anymore now. The rules don't admit that you file a protest 
but apparently the the manager of Intermarché, because it was basically Girmay. If you look at the, those pictures, it's Girmay who is hindered by the the coming from the left to the right of of Philipson. Um, and so they were once again in that in that truck where they reviewed the images, and apparently Vinokurov also went in there. Um, you know, Cavendish hasn't been hasn't been uh, bothered by by Philipson. It was. It was uh, Girmay who was bothered by Philipson, but uh, um... oh wait, I was so hung up in the Cavendish story of of his chain jumping that where did he finish? Second. So he did finish second. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That now yeah. that it makes sense why Vinokurov would go if he's relegated. Of course, of course. Of not, course. not the way Cavendish wants to get the record, though. You don't want to get it no. that way, but no, 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 but, no. But <laughs> now uh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Philipson super, super fast. It's this is he won three stages. It's not his last stage he's gonna win in this tour, uh, bearing accident or illness. Um, and yeah, Cav, you know, it was it was impressive to see him come from really quite quite far behind because the moment Van der Poel is pulling off and stops his lead out, if you have the overhead shot. Cavendish is not even anywhere to be seen, mm -hmm. and and you have this, you have Ewan and Grunewagen and uh, Irmai, they're all there, and Cavendish all of a sudden comes. Um, I mean, he has the speed. We today we saw that he has the speed to win another stage. Yeah, that was so, the encouraging takeaway. And three more chances. Is that sound correct? For well, Cavendish? yeah, in theory four, but I think tomorrow would be would be difficult. Um, Tomorrow, there's going to be a lot of other riders who are not sprinters who want to win this stage, and and it's you know it's 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 a hard finish, so it's probably not gonna not not gonna be able to sprint for the victory tomorrow. Okay. But yeah, I mean, um, you could clearly see when he started his sprint. First, I thought that was like a bump in the road or something, and 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 you could see that he had to he, he was he was standing and then he sat down and then he stood up again uh but then afterwards we heard in his interview that his his uh sprockets were skipping you know he was on the 11 and then he went to the 12 then it went back to the 11 and back mm -hmm. to the 12 um and so you know if you think back uh about 30k before the finish he had a wheel change he had a he had a problem with his back wheel and he had a mm -hmm. wheel change so it's probably, I mean, you know, even if it's completely, completely fit, fit for for that frame and and that chain, you know, it's not the same as if a mechanic fixes the wheel on the bike on the stand, mm -hmm. you know, before it runs through the gears. The fine yeah. tuning is different. Um, that's and, in, uh, that's that's interesting because I, you know, I've no noticed you see more complete bike changes than wheel changes because it takes longer with the newer wheels. Yeah, I think, may, I think maybe a bike, that, change, a bike change would have been would, would have been a, a good a good solution. It, it, you know, he would have spent less energy uh -huh. to come back because it took a while. It took yeah. a while before he came back. Um, I mean, he, obviously, he didn't have to pull his teammates did the work, but but still. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he's very very disappointed. Apparently, uh, I mean, imagine JB. You know, he's there. He was far behind, and, and he knew that he could surf the wheels and find his way through the front of the of the group. 
And then finally, you know, you see that line there and you see this open road and you go and you pass everybody. Uh, imagine the adrenaline that went on in his, in his you know, he said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then, you know, of course, then Philipson uh, shows that he's in another league. So I think he's disappointed to be second, but he's also disappointed that in his in his mind, he hasn't been able to go full gas, you know, uh, like let his let all his watts out in uh, in that sprint. So yeah, bummer, bummer, but uh, yeah, he's there, he's there. It's it is it is possible. It is possible. I know. No sixth, fifth, second. <laughs> well, and I I hate to get ahead of of everything, but if it doesn't happen. I'll be the first to say, don't retire. You're still fast. Yeah, <laughs> he's come back. <laughs> I know he's already announced his retirement end of season. JB, no matter what happens, let's not forget this, right? He does have the record. Right. He's it's just a right. Time. He does have the record. <laughs> right. It's not like he does. I mean, everybody said, yeah, he wants he he's going to beat Eddie Merckx's record. He he does he, he shares the record with Eddie Merckx. It's not like. You know, oh, and so, uh, yeah, I know you can't. Th that man cannot retire with any complaints if this doesn't happen. <laughs> like, what an amazing athlete! What an amazing career! It's it's one of the and, best. And and if you and it could not be any any. I mean, Philipson wins. Cavendish second today. Yesterday we spoke about this. He won. He won in Bordeaux thirteen years ago, and and you know we, we checked. Jasper Philipson was ten years old. Yesterday we said eleven, ten years old. Yeah, when when Cav won his 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 yeah. stage in in Bordeaux. So speaking of ten years old, uh, you know, if you watched the Giro, you saw a young American Matthew Riccatello. He's here. He's here. I heard, and, and, I heard, yeah, I yeah mean, he's. He looks, he, I saw he him in person. So so I mean, it's isn't it crazy? Yeah, I mean, you, you look would, you look at him face say, to face. Yeah, it's a teenager. It's, I'm like, it's, how is this, this, I, and he's a machine and we're going to see a lot more of him, but you're like, this is a world tour writer. Like he just looks so young and yeah, he had, I and know. he had a great Giro, by the way, if you didn't uh, watch the, I know a lot of our audience maybe only does the tour rising star, but he just looks so yeah. young. It made me feel so old. But he did an amazing, <laughs> amazing climb on in that last time trial. He was one of the fastest at the top yeah. three fast. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've I've seen on on social media that he's he's over there. So yeah, he does look really young. Right? Yeah, nice kid, nice kid. I can't wait to see yeah. more from him. Okay, now Johan, let's. Uh, I think that's everything from today. Um, unless you had something else, but we'll go ahead and talk about <coughs> tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, you know, Lance shared on the show. That's that's where that finish is where he finished in '95. Uh, in Limoges. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, you know, that unfortunate year where Fabio Casatelli passed and then he was the famous images of him pointing yes. to the sky when he won that. Yes, yes. And he asked, he told me to ask you, he said, I think Johan was in that break. Yeah, yeah, we were together in the break, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's so yeah. wild. I know, you, you and Lance aren't that far apart in age. I have to remind myself, you're just a lot more mature. <laughs> I am I am nine years older than him, so yeah, you know, he was still he was still very very young, uh, but actually it was that uh, yeah it was ninety five so uh, so yeah I yeah and that's I had I had one I had one stage already 
that famous stage in Liège where I dropped him. And then a few days, a few days later, we were together in the breakaway and, and yeah, he, he just, I do remember though, he went, uh, um, it was quite a, I think it was about 20 people or you know, 15 plus people. And um, it was hard. It's a hard terrain. And I, I still remember him attacking. It was still far. It was still 40, yeah. 50K to go. I think Indurain was in that break too. No, 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 no. no. Okay. No, no. But uh, I still remember him attacking. I said, what the hell is this kid thinking? You know what I mean? So far. <laughs> uh, and um, and he later he later uh, shared with me that, uh, you know, he once he was gone, he said he knew he knew that it was over. Hmm. That he was so in the zone of having to win that stage in honor of his teammate. Yeah. You know, and I I shared I shared a story with him when we when we spoke about that many years ago. You know, uh, because I had a similar experience. Uh, the first ever stage I won in the tour was in '93, and uh, it was also it was a breakaway with some strong guys and I attacked with 20k to go on my own and uh I had the same experience you know my dad had passed away like four four weeks before the tour oh man and I I knew I needed to win a station in his honor and I do remember exactly the same thing when I got away and I had 15 meters I looked I looked back I said okay this is it full gas to the finish see you in the douches yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. That uh, that mind that the power, oh, yeah. like, it's like you were right. You were two men riding that day. Oh yeah, no, no, I was in a zone. I was in another state. I, I, I mean, that particular stage back then was, you know, forty nine point seven kilometers average. It was the fastest stage in history of the tour back then when I won it, and I, you know, I did something that physically I would never have thought I, I was possible to possible. It was possible. Wow. Lance had that same experience when when he went with a lot of kilometers to go to to uh, Limoges. Yeah, he even we watched the clip before the show from from '95, and even Lance goes, "Holy shit, I was flying!" <laughs> you know, it's it's a cool thing to look up uh, on yeah. YouTube if if you if you've got time to do that. It's well worth watching. But it's I just you know I know you guys raced at the same time, but it's still cool to hear those stories. That, you know. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about what you expect tomorrow. You obviously know this. Uh, well, tomorrow running. it's it is um, it's a hard final. Uh, there's a there's three climbs, three categorized climbs. But if you look at the profile, um, you know you can see that the last part of the stage it, it's up and down, up and down. And those roads in 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 the Limousin, which is the area around Limoges, are so hard. You know, there's there's a race called the Tour de Limousin, and there's no real big climbs, but it is so hard. It's all the time. There's no flat at all. Um, so, gonna be difficult to keep it together. Uh, bunch print is. If it's a bunch print, it's gonna be a reduced bunch print, uh, and then and that would maybe be because something you know the there's a team represented in 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 the bunch with a sprinter and and most of the sprinters are dropped and then it can still come back but uh, i think tomorrow could be a, a, a really good day for a breakaway i think uh you know we haven't seen a breakaway make it to the finish yet right right no 
I mean, you can't, you, you, you can't say, I mean, yeah, Victor Lafay, that's not a breakaway. So, um, so yeah, I think um, tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to see the first breakaway. So I still need to check a little bit who's, uh, you know, who could be a candidate, but it's a difficult one to predict tomorrow because yeah. easy stage today, pretty easy start of the stage tomorrow. So accessible to a lot of people. That's actually also one of the reasons why those guys who got called back in today's stage, at the beginning of the stage, they're going to say, hey, no, no, today, no, because we know you know, you can't make it tomorrow yeah. you go in the break. You know? Yeah. Okay. And I I even mentioned this on the move. I, I, like, this is the kind of day where if you're a season pass member and you're getting the, the feed of outcomes the day before, um, you and Spencer just you start throwing out names of potential candidates, which I'm sure you'll go do a bunch of research. Yeah, it's, you know. it's still a bit, I mean, you know, the thing is we haven't seen that much because it's still a bit early, you know, yeah. uh, it's seven days. So we had three bunch prints. So obviously you can't identify any potential stage hunters. And we had two mountain stages. And then the first two stages were like middle mountain stages. So uh, it's, it's difficult, but uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll check, we'll check now. And, uh, and and throw out some names okay all right uh we got to do this here real quick i actually shouldn't say we got to do we get to do this <laughs> uh, and potentially give away a ventum ns1 road bike uh, with the trivia every day you can answer the question you can look it up take your time get the right information email your answer in and uh daily from the people with the correct answer they draw a winner and at the end of the tour they're going to draw from those and give away a complete bike an ns1 okay uh, yesterday's question or answer, the question and answer was what famous sports announcer was in Lance Armstrong's This Is Sports Center commercial? That answer, hope you got it right yesterday, was Dan Patrick. And Johan, this is a tough one for the average tour fan, but you might know it offhand. Don't answer it now. <laughs> is uh, what is the longest stage ever recorded in the history of the Tour de France? The longest stage ever. I need to. I need You'd to have to look that up. Okay. Yeah, we mentioned. It's uh, long. Uh, I, I know it's. I, it's super. It's very long. You're, you're going to be shocked probably when you look it up at how long it is. Yeah. Uh, so feel free to go research that answer and send it in via email to trivia at ventumracing.com. All right. Good luck. A uh, couple questions for you, Johan, on this lighter day. Uh, this one comes from Tim. He says, not taking anything away from Pogacar, but I remember the 2020 Tour de France when Jumbo did all the work for Roglic and basically towed Pogacar all over France until he snatched the win on the last day. Stage six looked like a version of the same thing. Pogacar's team was gone, but Jumbo just let him sit in, sit on until the end, doing no work until he jumped uh, at the end, Jumbo can't let this be a repeat of 2020, can it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, from you know, it, it, that's the way it looks yesterday. But you know, it's a bit. Uh, Jumbo had a plan yesterday, right? Uh, and it, it turned out the plan didn't work, but the, the intention behind it uh, made some sense. They basically wanted to take advantage of the fact that I think, first of all, they were surprised that Pogacar wasn't able to follow Jonas Vingegaard in on the Marie Blanc and that he he was not on a level that they expected, you know. So um, 
that's I think that they made that plan after the stage after stage five for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, what they should have done, we've talked about it yesterday. What they should have done is, okay, they have a plan, they try. Uh, but when on the Tourmalet, they see that Jonas couldn't drop today Bogachar, then you have to change that plan. It's yeah. as simple as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, 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 he, if he couldn't drop him on the Tourmalet, he would for sure not drop him on the last climb because it was not a steep, it's not an altitude. Um the way Pogacar looked on the Tour Malais, uh, the way he could respond, um, and 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 what I think personally is also, I mean, you know, Vingegaard was going really, really fast on the Tour Malais, like really fast. So he must have known, hey, I can't go much faster. So right. uh, on that last climb, if it's if it's better pavement, if it's not a steep, I'm not going to drop him. So. I think that's the mistake they made, um, and uh, yeah, because I, I afterwards I did I timed the, the the you know the time that Jonas was pulling um, at first when Sepkus was gone on the Tour Malais, and then when Walt Van Aert was gone on the last climb, and it was very similar. Um, and, and 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 in my opinion, on the contrary, Pogacar made his plan already. On the last slopes of the Tourmalet, he said, "Okay, I'm fine. My legs are really better than yesterday. If this is his speed, I'm dropping that guy on the last climb." So yeah, I think they made a mistake. The I think the plan made sense, but once um, I mean, also I mean that they, they once you start an, a strategy like that, it's it's sometimes difficult to get out of it because uh, you know they had. Walt van Aert in the front, and and once once they caught Walt van Aert in the downhill of the Tour Malais, there was not much they could do. You know, nobody was going to work with them. Uh, and uh, and yeah, van Aert. I mean, what they could have done, what they could have done, would actually have been a better strategy. Was in the downhill and in the valley towards the last climb. Not put van Aert full gas to absolutely catch those four other guys who were in the breakaway. You know, so if those guys can start that last climb with a more advantage, then there's a chance. At least that's. I mean, in in a in a Grand Tour, you always have to be calculating what might come, right? So, if Van Aert doesn't go full gas, they don't catch those four guys. There was, I mean, Kwiatkowski was in there. There was Johannes uh, was in there, the guy who got third. So, if they start that last climb with a minute and a half behind those guys then they assure that the bonifications are gone. And at least that's 10 seconds that mm. are gone, right? In the case, and and you, you also know that Pogacar is not going to be as aggressive if there's not a stage win at stake. And, mm. you know, mm -hmm. in, initially, before the stage, I personally think that this, Pogacar, his intention, his goal was, okay, today I need to stay with Vingegaard. Can't lose time. He changed his plan. That's just what I'm thinking, right? But I, th I don't think I'm far off. He changed his plan at the top of the Tour de Malais. He says, okay, if this guy can't drop me here, I'm getting him on the last climb. Mm. Uh, if there's four riders up front, the bonifications are gone and there's not a stage win at stake. So the incentive is not as... Yeah. I'm trying rapid. to remember. I think on, on the 
on the tourmalade, we, we saw Jonas out of the saddle more than usual, right? And that would have been a a, a light bulb yeah. for for Pogacar to go. He never he doesn't get out of the saddle very often, so I know he's full gas, and I feel these fine. guys know each other. These guys know each other. Yeah. Indeed. You know they're studying each other, uh, and I I mean on the tourmalet maybe not so much, but when when on on the last climb when Van Aert pulled off and and Jonas went he 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 had his usual acceleration standing up there you could clearly clearly see that Pogacar was a little bit better because he didn't even yeah. have to get out of the saddle he was just like straight yeah. away on the wheel um so yeah i mean um they're, they're, they're you know they're not they're not stupid at jumbo visma they're 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 i hope they've learned their lesson <laughs> All right. And uh, one more question here. Eric writes, uh, a few stage recaps ago, Johan mentioned that this was the first year a certain French team was doing altitude camps, and perhaps they did it wrong. Can you share with us the uh, what the experience of altitude camp is like, and how would a team go about doing it right or wrong? Uh, that's from mm -hmm. Eric in Mill Creek, Washington. Well, that's, you know, that's true. I, I, I think I said that uh, probably after the Dauphiné. I think um, I'm talking about Group Alma FDG. Um, you know, they had riders in the past doing altitude camps, but I think as a team, they had never done it before. Um, and it's really difficult to get it right, you know, because mm. different riders react differently to altitude. Uh, in this case, for example, David, David Godu, who was fourth in last year's Tour de France, who is the leader uh of uh of group Alma fdg he looks like he reacted uh not really well to altitude because in dauphine he was he was i mean not the david Goudou that normally would be going for a podium place in the tour de france so um i think they need a few a few years of experience to know how how uh, how it works and how how everybody reacts um i've saw i've, I've seen the same thing for i mean another guy and that was earlier in the year uh the dutch guy tamen arendsman who's now is his first year on on ineos um they did an altitude camp before the giro uh and before tour of the alps and and you could see that arendsman had not recovered from the altitude camp mm. in in tour of the alps he was he was not good like really not good mm. and then you know he had two weeks in between and then he did the giro and he was amazingly strong in the giro amazingly strong no, that's interesting. So it, you you think some of these things are so simple? Just go to altitude and ride your bike. No, it's just no, not that simple. No. And the timing of when to do it—it's it's very very different. This is also one of the one of the disadvantages that 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 Pogacar has compared to Jonas Vingegaard is that Vingegaard has this traditional build up towards the tour stage races. He he's not done one one day race, so stage races. Right. Altitude, stage races, altitude. So he went three, minimum three times to altitude. Pogacar only did it once because first he had this classics campaign and then he only went to altitude while he was still recovering from his wrist. So that's oh, also so not ideal. Get, so he can get some benefit while he's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But definitely not the ideal. Uh, so that's something to consider. You know, um, it could be, and, and all of this is theory. JB, you know, it's, yeah. it's sometimes the human body reacts in ways that you can't explain. 
sometimes you can be training and, and going really on schedule and doing everything you everything you need and everything you can and then your objective comes and you, you you're nowhere and it's different and every you just said i'm repeating it it's different for every rider like yeah who but is sometimes who... sometimes you have guys who really really focus and they do everything right and when the objective comes it's not there and then they kind of decompress and two weeks later they're flying yeah. like flying you know yeah. so it's uh yeah it's it, it's it's not it's not uh it's not math it's not pure math no i was remembering how i think it was uh Degent, who you said doesn't do massages it was somebody like it's yeah. different for every rider like that I, you're just like can't get your brain around that no massages that's a bit, ex that's a bit extreme <laughs> That's a bit yeah. extreme. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know him personally, uh, Thomas de Gent, but you know, going off of his interviews and his opinions and what he publishes on social media, I think it's it's a very, very special, special guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I know you've got to go do outcomes. I'm really looking forward to it because it's a it's just one of those wild card kind of days. Uh, so I'd definitely be checking out outcomes. Uh, and if you want to email um, into this show, anything specific for Johan, all right, send it to JB Square, JB2 at WeDo.team. All right. Thanks, Johan. I appreciate it. Thanks, JB. Speak tomorrow. Tomorrow I am in a different look. I'm, tomorrow I'm in Belgium. So tomorrow will be, I mean, I'm still going to have my background of the race. So, but tomorrow I'm, I'm coming from Belgium. And happy birthday to your mother. Yes, thank you. 80 years old. So that's the reason why I'm going. Nice. Right? We That'll go to nice. celebrate her 80th birthday. Yeah. Good deal. All right. We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks, Davey.